0: You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Joshua Wayne, the author of the new book, The Simple Parenting Guide to Technology. Joshua Wayne has been working with youth and families for over 20 years in schools, mental health agencies, the foster care system, as well as in private practice. He speaks to students around the world about tech, mental health, and good decision making, and to the adults in their lives about how to help them thrive as they transition into adulthood. We're going to be talking with Joshua today about technology, how to put limits around it, how to talk about it, how to monitor what your kids are doing on it and how family policies might be different during the quarantine or during times when you're all stuck together. So how do you navigate that? How do you deal with it all? We've got answers today from Joshua Wayne. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I made it through this simple parenting guide to technology Great stuff in here. I'm curious where you got this information from and what inspired this to be the first guide in your
1: series of simple parenting guides. Well, I think it's just mostly the fact that it's the zeitgeist right now. (laughs) Yeah, The device is like a fifth appendage for a lot of kids. I talk to parents a lot, work with them. And as a parent myself, I see a lot of Parents are struggling with it and 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 not really sure what to do. And I see a lot of kids who are 14, 15, 16 and up, and their parents with the best of intentions didn't really set clear limits on it when they were younger, when they introduced the devices. Maybe just didn't recognize that this thing could take on a life of its own. And then you've got a teenager who's on their devices literally until two, three o'clock in the morning on school nights, doing whether it's social media or gaming or, or some combination of things. And the parents just don't know how to how to get the toothpaste back in the tube. <laughs> and it's, it is hard at that age. So I, I've just been talking to lots of parents and trying out different strategies with parents and trying to think it through as practically as I can. You know, my general premise is that the problem isn't technology, the problem is moderation. Mm. And that's really where parents need a lot of help because it's here to stay. We're not going to go back to being a horse and buggy society, nor should we, (laughs) given that this is the the new reality. And there's a lot of great that comes from this. I mean, I love my smartphone as much as anybody. There's a lot of great things that come out of having this technology at our fingertips. It's quite remarkable. But... If it doesn't have some sort of limits, particularly for kids who aren't good at setting limits for themselves, then it becomes problematic pretty quickly. I like to say the tech is kind of like sugar. You know, once they get a taste, it's it's really all they want.
0: So I love this guide because it's really practical and, you know, you don't waste a a lot of time on theories, uh, philosophizing, you know, you just get right to the point and you go through the steps of like, how would you actually put together a a family tech agreement? How would you decide what's going to be on it? And then how would you go ahead and implement that in your family? I thought it was really savvy. And, you know, one of the first things that you talk about in here is, well, if you're going to be having an agreement, probably one of the biggest things you're going to be doing is trying to limit the amount of usage of technology. So what should that look like and what, how much time is
1: appropriate for a kid to be on their devices? So what I'm going to offer right now are the general guidelines that are out there and it's it's a combination of a little bit of a, of a of a blended soup between what the American Academy of Pediatrics has put out there over the years and some other organizations, and just my own observations. But I also believe that parents have to make this work for their home. But generally speaking, until the time they're about twelve. The general guidance is, is about an hour a day on school days. You can, I think, be a little more loose and flexible on weekends, up to two hours. And then through their teen years, the general guidance that's out there is up to two hours a day of, of, of entertainment screen time, right? Not including the time they need to spend on it for school. What's tricky, though, and, and this is where some of the caveats come in, is that the, the data right now that's out there is showing that the average teen – and this comes from Common Sense Media, which is a great resource, and they've done, I think, the most comprehensive research that I've seen anyway on the topic, is that the average teen is spending about seven and a half hours a day in front of a screen doing non schoolwork work-related activities. And just to put that in perspective, if you do the math on that over the course of a year, it's 40% of their life spent in front of a device for entertainment purposes. And I don't mean 40, not 40% of the time they're awake, 40% of the time they're breathing. (laughs) It's pretty incredible. And I've had parents say to me that if if their kid would only be on a device seven and a half hours a day, they'd be delighted because it's 10, 12, 13 hours a day that these kids are on it. And again, this is where I say that these parents are certainly well-intentioned, but it just got out of hand and then they don't know how to reel it back in. Right.
0: Yeah. It's like once it gets started, it's really hard to stop it.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously the time you want to really build in a family tech agreement ideally is when they're first get, get it, getting their first when device. When you're first
0: getting it. You have leverage. Yeah. You can say, hey, okay, we'll get it under yeah. these conditions. So that's a shock to the system then trying to go from seven and a half or 10 hours a day down to just a measly two. So is that part of what you would take into consideration when you're trying to decide what, what should be on your tech
1: agreement? Like, yes. Yeah. Because so I stand by those numbers as being the ideal. I, I think that is what is healthiest that you keep them to roughly two hours a day. That said, especially if they're teenagers here's here's one of the, the 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 rubs of this whole thing is that teens their entire social life at this point especially now when we're all in lockdown is happening on social media yeah yeah like that is that is the new playground or whatever you want to call it that is the new hangout place is social media and Teens, so 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds, are in a phase of their life where developmentally what they should be doing is learning how to have positive, healthy relationships with others and with their friends. And so now if you're telling them you can only be on your phone two hours a day, you could wind up in a situation where they're feeling socially isolated and could lead to other problems. So I don't want to contradict myself, but you have to look at the whole picture of what's healthy for your kid right now. What's the right balance? Because you don't want your kid being the only one who isn't able to interact and have positive social time with their friends. So you got to find the right balance. So maybe for some kids, it is going to work to, to be on for two hours and they're going to get enough of the social contact they need and it's going to be fine. And they have enough sports or hobbies or other things going on or they're really into school. And you can keep it down to that level. Maybe for some kids, it's going to be three or four hours. You're going to have to make a judgment call. That said, there is one rule. What I, what I say to parents is find the amount that's going to work reasonably. You don't want to destroy your relationship with your child over this. But there is one rule that I think is really smart to follow if you can do nothing else. And that's to make sure that devices go to bed at night too. Mm-hmm that you've got a shutdown point in your home, whether it's nine, 10, 11 o'clock, whatever's right and reasonable for your family and that's it. And everybody shuts them down and, and that's it for the night. And I generally recommend that parents go through the house. I call it the trick or treat method with a pillowcase and you gather (laughs) up all the devices, everybody drops their phone or their iPad or, or whatever into it. And if, and if the issue is like, is, um, big screens from desktop computers and go through with the laundry basket but you get the idea gather everything up my experiences and some kids can can, can manage it i'm not going to say that there's no kid can manage it but my experience if I, if I had to generalize my experience is that most kids having a device within arm's reach at night is, is an almost unbearable temptation yeah that's really really difficult So my general advice is just build the expectation and the habit that the devices go down at a certain point and they're out of the room and you get it back at seven o'clock the next morning or or, or wherever, whenever is reasonable to give it back to them. Like if you can do nothing else, I say to parents, that is the one major rule to really, really work towards implementing. Because I also think if, if kids sleep gets off, just about everything else in their life, is at risk for for just getting off track. School, mental health, sleep cycles, physical health, behavior starts to deteriorate. If you can do nothing else, do that.
0: I wonder how these rules should change during a time like this where people are quarantined in homes and have less time to be interacting in person. So if you like had a, a family tech agreement in place, would you then go back and say, hey, okay, well, for the next couple of weeks while this quarantine thing is happening, maybe we could adjust this a little bit. I guess, how would you handle that with the kids during this kind of yeah.
1: time? Yeah, it's a great question. I think everyone's trying to figure this out. I think now is definitely a time to relax on the rules a bit. I think right now that the the, the priority right now is physical and mental health for everybody getting everybody through this thing in one piece. I think now is a time to try to be as connected to kids and, 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 and not fight. Battles that that just aren't priority right now. I think everybody needs. I think family harmony is a lot more important right now. And if that means kids are on their devices a few extra hours a day, then I don't think it's a big deal. Again, my I, I come back to what I just shared before. I, I think if you can do nothing else right now, I still think that just having a shutdown period at night, so everyone's yeah. sleeping, is is the, is the is really the one rule you should follow. And and I'm going to contradict myself now, and, and, and because. <laughs> again I want to be practical for parents that like I talked to my sister for example the other day and she's got a 16 year old and an almost 18 year old so the way she's thinking about her right now is that she 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 works first shift and they work third shift and basically as long as they're being respectful and they're not being noisy when they're gaming in the wee hours of the morning and they're putting their dishes in the dishwasher and they're not leaving a mess all over the house that she's okay with it. And I think that you just have to make some concessions that are gonna work for your family. You know, It wouldn't, it wouldn't be probably how I would handle it for my, for my, with my family, but who am I to judge if that's working in their family, if that's what it takes to get them through this difficult time, and the kids are being respectful and, and their, their, their level of family harmony is pretty high, who am I to judge? So I think you got to find the way to thread the needle right now that's going to work for you. Again, my personal bias is that it's still better to have everybody get a decent amount of sleep at night and and to not be totally nocturnal because it's easy for for teens to go into that nocturnal rhythm. Yeah, it really is though, right? Yeah. But again, I don't think you want to be in drag-down, screaming matches with your kid right now around this. If you can get to a place of balance where they're – being respectful, you're cohabitating together. You are hopefully having some, some at least some, you know, some nice quality family time and some meals together, and getting outside together and going for a bike ride or whatever it is to just, you know, recharge your batteries together in some way. I think those are really healthy and smart things to be doing right now. But I think you got to find out what's going to what's going to make it work. And again, my priority is getting everybody through this in one piece, positively in a healthy way, physically and mentally and emotionally. And then the rest of it is kind of of gravy at this point.
0: Well, it's the last weekend until AP exams. Did your students get enough practice? Prompt is the world leader in writing feedback. Their writing feedback is what great teachers provide when they have more time. Sign up at prompt.com slash AP and get feedback on AP English and history exams for much less than the price of an AP test. Here's the best part. Use the code TEENS to get 20% off. Once again, that's prompt.com slash AP. Use the code TEENS at checkout. okay, so I really like this stuff you have in here about handling objections, You know, because you're going to spend a lot of time figuring out exactly what you want to have on your family tech agreement, and you're going to be so excited about it, and you're going to go share it with your with your teenager. And then, of course, they're going to say, what? <laughs> this, right. No, this sucks. This is stupid. <laughs> right. We don't want two hours. What do you? Mom, come on. So that conversation is not going to go well, necessarily. It's going to be difficult, and you're going to get some pushback. So... What's the best way to handle that when it comes up?
1: I think there's a there's a couple things. One is that if you're going to introduce some some new rules and some guidelines, if you're going to use create a family tech agreement, and you know, and I provide a through the book, I provide a a template that's sort of preloaded. The parents can just adapt to to their situation and, and sort of fill in the blanks for for their rules. The first thing is when, when you do it, again, I think there's two different scenarios. One is when they're getting their first device. You know, At that point, they're going to be so excited to be getting their first iPhone that they'll, they'll pretty much do just anything you ask. They'll jump over whatever hurdles you're going to give them because they're foaming at the mouth so excited to get their hands on thing. Totally, you know? yeah. So that's one scenario. The more tra- challenging scenario is you've got kids that are a bit older and they've maybe developed... Some less than ideal habits, and you're trying to reel it back in. So I think there's a couple things you have to do. I think the first thing is before you actually implement it, you need to give them some heads up that this is coming. There needs to be some conversation. Like I don't think it's going to work well to say, "Hey, you know, starting to we've been talking about tech a bunch, and I know you know I I would like to see some more limits on it. And starting tomorrow, we're gonna you're gonna have instead of being able to stay up till two o'clock in the morning, everything's gonna get shut down at nine o'clock and you're going to have two or three hours a day or whatever you land on. (laughs) Like, that's probably not going to go so well. Right. So you need to give them, give them a week or so to start to acclimate to the idea, to put a draft of the family tech agreement in front of them and to have some conversations to have some hopefully calm and respectful conversations about it. And maybe there's even some room for negotiation around it. I think the more you can make it collaborative, the more you can give them a chance to to chime in to what the contents of it are going to be, the more likely you're going to get them to buy in to what's actually in it. Now that all said, I I also, and and this is sort of a a common theme throughout the book, is that, and this is hard for for a lot of parents, and I don't want to, I don't want to make this, I don't want to trivialize this because this can, can be difficult, but The the tone you have to set is that this is, this is, you're living in, you're not living in a, in a pure democracy. You're living in a benevolent dictatorship. And I'm going to provide love and I'm going to be calm and I'm going to be empathetic to your process around this. But at a certain point is the parents, we have to make the call that this is what's happening. Yeah. And in spite of their pushback that, hey, listen, I think it's important to be empathetic and to say things like, hey, I understand you don't like this. I understand this isn't your preference. I'm here to talk with you about it and hear your concerns. But this is going to this is gonna happen, but I'm open to discussing with you how it happens. And just sending that message, that calm, assertive message that this is where we're going. There's so there's, There may be some wiggle room in here in how we do this, but we're, we're going to have some more clear, concrete rules in our home around this. And being consistent with that, staying calm with that, but being consistent with that. I think those are the two things. is given some time to digest this. Be, be clear, be, be assertive, and really you have to wear your parenting hat in, in this scenario like, this is just for you to say, like, this is, these are the rules, you know, these are the rules of the home. You know, when you're, when the kid was young, they don't just get to generally go to the pantry and just eat anything they want. There's (laughs) going to be some level of expectations around what you're eating. Because again, otherwise they'll just eat crap all day. So this is a, a critical role we have to play as parents is to set appropriate limits around this.
0: So what if you got a kid who's a gamer who's going to be a professional gamer and this is – they're actually practicing for their career? Or what if you got a kid who's on uh, social media, has tons of followers and they want to be an influencer? So this is important homework and research that they're doing for their future career. How do you step on that balance as a parent?
1: Yeah, I mean this this is a great question. There's a couple ways to approach that. One is if you believe that this is really a healthy activity for them and that this is something you want to support them doing into their future, then maybe you're just going to make room for it as a, a part of their life and you're going to create more allowances. This is why I said, you know, I'm, I'm offering general guidelines that, that are out there from doctors and researchers that are saying, here's what we think the smart amounts are and But every parent's got to make a judgment call. And if they say they want to be a gamer and you're supportive of that and you think this is a a healthy pursuit for them, then maybe you're going to make more room for it. And you're going to say, hey, listen, we're going to create six hours a day for you to do this instead of two. Again, I think that's a very personal choice about where you land on that.
0: And also you could add like stipulations, like as long as you're able to keep your grades here, here and here and do this, this and this, then you know uh, we'll grant you extra time but you know if these things start to slip then we're gonna have to reassess that
1: yeah 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 i mean that's where i was going next is that i i think the other thing that you should be asking yourself though is well what other things should they be doing if they're they're gonna if i'm gonna if i'm gonna make this allowance for them to have more gaming time or for making video posting videos on youtube or instagram or whatever and becoming an influencer i again I'm, i'm who am i to say that that's not a good thing for your kid to be doing. But I I generally believe that kids should also have some more balance in their life. Like for example, the one thing that I just think is good for every kid to be doing is to be physically active. I think it's good for their physical health. I think it's good for their mental health. So maybe you say as long as you're involved in a sport or you have a part time job or you're involved in theater for a kid who maybe isn't athletically inclined, as long as there's some other thing you have and do that's non digital that's not online where you're out interacting with with people offline and having those social skills and just getting those different inputs in your brain and just doing other activities and building skill sets in other ways or maybe it's just keeping your grades up whatever it is but my experience is is that pushing them to have that level of balance is still really important so if you're going to make allowance to say hey listen i really this kid, i think my kid has a chance to to do this professionally and maybe maybe they'll be successful you know, I don't know what the percentages are of kids who. I'm just, there's millions and millions and millions of kids out there who love video games, yeah. and think and think they may have a shot at this. But there's also millions and millions and millions of kids on the basketball court, and and only a, a, a fraction of a percentage of them are going to go to the NBA. So, I, I I don't know enough to say that this is it's a frivolous endeavor. For most kids, maybe for a lot of kids, if they can really commit to it, then they can make a career out of it. And again, I'm I'm not saying they shouldn't or, or or you know, I wouldn't veto that as an idea. I just push I just push parents towards your major role is to insist on balance and to help them find balance.
0: Yeah, like you say, the moderation is the problem. It's addicting. <laughs> and video games are built specifically to be addicting and to be really hard to put down. So Drop a kid into that
1: environment. And we know that, that particularly video games, the intense stimulation really overstimulates the neocortex. That's just a part of our brain that is, is really responsible for our, our cognitive development. And it, it just it hyper-stimulates it. And, it. and again, it's not that it's a bad thing, but it just needs to be balanced. It needs to be balanced by being outside and getting fresh air and, and, and doing other activities and sports and just having other inputs. I think if they're doing those things, then, then I, I generally am less concerned about them spending more time on games. I, I just, I, I get concerned as a professional and, and certainly I would as a parent if, if that's just all they're doing.
0: We're here with Joshua Wayne talking about teen technology use and we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show.
1: this has major implications for not just your family, but for their sense of what's okay as they move into the adult world. But they also need to to trust us. And so I think that being upfront with them about parent control apps that we're using is smart. But basically you just, you have to say to them, like, I hear what you're saying, but if you're really, Contemplating that, then then we're going to the hospital to have you evaluated and maybe committed. So if you say this again to me, be ready to pack your bags because because we're that's where we're going. And you basically have to call their bluff, and if they're just bluffing, then they need to get the message that that is not the tool you should be taking out of your little tool bag here to right. try to get what you want from me.
0: A lot of things you can say to try to influence an adult. That's that's not a good one. Yeah, and,
1: and you can and you as a parent can't allow it. You can't tolerate that.
0: Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.